Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is a Lip Media podcast. Welcome to the Sinister Sissies Podcast, your guide to true crime, horror, and everything man-on-man and macabre. I'm Jared, your master of depravity, and I'm here with my filthy little slave, Sam Hamilton, after a sc- under a Scream poster, which is very mm. cool. Yes, you can uh, just see the tip of the poster right here, and I'm teasing my master tonight. <laughs> Did you hear that um, they might be making a new one, and Courtney Cox is signed on? Yes, there's no, there's no might. It's, it's happening. Is it definitely happening? Yeah, it's happening. The directors of Ready or Not are doing it. So, which is good because they have a good knack for that self-aware horror. Is Nev Campbell back? There's been no word on Nev and David. I reckon you only need one of the old generation to anchor this one in. Like, I think that it's time for a soft I, reboot. Well, they tried to do that with four and it didn't really work because Emma Roberts is not a good actress. Yeah, but that wasn't really a soft reboot because it, it still f- centered around like the original trio a little mm. bit too much. I'd be fine with, like, Sydney just, like, doing a cameo on this one and maybe returning further down the line if they make more sequels. I think you just got to keep some element of legacy. I'm happy with Courtney Cox. I can understand Courtney Cox and David Arquette not wanting to be in the same room. Yes, it seems like a lot went down there. Do you know what the one thing about David Arquette that's never mentioned, and I only found out this out recently, do you know that he's a professional wrestler? I did not know that. I just knew that he was a very heavy drug user. He was in a tumultuous relationship with Courtney. (laughs) (laughs) Probably also that. Um, But no, he was, he he never got into WWE level, but he was WCW level professional wrestling. Okay. I can kind of, he had that very lean, but like buff and like, he had a very tight physique in the original screen films. Do this now whilst we're recording. Google David Arquette. I'm, I'm doing it right now. David Arquette wrestling. Wrestling, okay. Ooh. Well, I did find him very cute in the OG scream. Oh, wow, yeah, he does have quite a figure here. In this photo, he kind of looks like a child in a diaper. <laughs> uh, in today's episode, we are looking at the Dutch psychological horror film The Fourth Man, made in 1983, also known as... Der Verdman, directed by Paul Verhoeven of uh, Showgirls Basic Instinct, fame, um, Starship Troopers, Basic Instinct, um, and also the very the very good film L, which I liked. Paul Verhoeven's yes, a weird I loved fucking director because he directs absolute trash and then also directs amazing artsy films like The Fourth Man. I feel like this film. Uh, is the perfect description for it is Euro trash, right? This film is kind of like somewhere between like a really sophisticated thriller at points. Then it's kind of like a nightmarish sort of Euro fantasy horror film. 
And then it's sort of like a surreal, like queer melodrama at other times. <laughs> I actually think it's one of my favorite films I've seen all year. I'm actually angry at myself. I'd never seen it before. Yeah, I found it, I really liked it as well. Um, I've, I was saying to Sam, uh, off air that like, I'm, as I get older, I'm just owning the fact that I like really pretentious films where the plot doesn't need to make sense and the dialogue can be really heavy handed and there can be like lots of disjointed surrealist imagery. And I'm just like, that's what I like. I'm happy that I like that. Yeah. I really think that's, that's his strength as a director though, is that he can combine those elements and still be respected as a filmmaker Yet, like, when you peel it back, it kind of is the... It kind of, yeah, there kind of are a lot of these sort of just, like, trashy or base-level ideas that he's somehow transformed into this, like, really artful kind of, you know, borderline masterpiece, I'd say. I really, really love this film. All right. So, we both recommend it. We're about to get into spoilers. So, this is your last warning before we get going into the plot. opens with a spider's web which is you know an an underpinning theme and then we cut to the apartment of Gerard Reve who is a character in this film but is also the name of the author of the book that this film is based on. The Bird Man by Gerard Reve who is an he is a gay man who is a bit of an interesting figure he's really into the philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer um, and is also a Roman Catholic. So kind of piece all of those fucking bits together. There's definitely trickles of both of those things all throughout this film. A lot of Catholic guilt and a lot of homosexuality. There is. Or at least, you know, bisexuality leaning towards men. We open with Reve. He is an alcoholic, bisexual novelist. We do open on a bit of uh, full frontal male nudity, which is always good. Yeah, we, we see more than one cock in this film. Thank you. We see a lot of cock in this film. Uh, Reve is in his apartment whilst his partner, who I think is male and not a trans woman. There is a bra because he does this kind of garroting action with a bra. Oh, that's right. Uh, Either way, his partner of any gender, all are welcome. He garrots them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but it turns out turns out to be just a fantasy. He's fantasizing, he's fantasizing about killing his lover, who is playing a violin, I believe, and it seems quite annoying. Uh, Rebe leaves. Um, he uh, is traveling to from Amsterdam to Visigan to give a lecture at a literary society. Um, Whilst he is at the train station, he spots a guy that he finds to be quite attractive. We, we later learn that this guy's name is Guido Herman. Uh, You're missing the whole like blatant cruising, like beyond blatant that he tries he's, well, to... Well, it, it's you know. stalking <laughs> levels, isn't it? Because the guy kind of pushes him off and then he chases him and he chases after the train. It's, it's a bit much. Well, there's also this great moment where the guy that he's fancying is reading like a porno mag. 
then he like goes over and grabs like a gay porno mag and starts indiscreetly reading it and like sizing up the guy to see if he's into it it's, it's just a great scene the main character of this film is like a complete asshole, but I kind of love him as well. Like, I feel like this is me in, like, five years. <laughs> Look, it's one side of your personality, but uh, luckily you have this angelic side that, you know, is winning over for now. But Look, who knows? Over the years, that might wither away. Look, alcoholic novelist is definitely in my future. I just need to write a book. I've got the alcoholic down. Um, well, you're drunk right now, so I can't, uh, I can't deny I am, that. I'm not drunk right now. I am yeah. festive. Sorry, master. <laughs> <laughs> whilst Reve is on the train he has another hallucination and it is of a hotel and he goes to a particular apartment um, he goes to look through the people of the apartment and then an eyeball comes out which is the start of just weird horror imagery throughout this film which I loved Well, look, that all the booze he's sinking is giving him some kind of, you know, power of premonition. So, you know, we know all these visions that he's progressively seeing throughout the film all do play a significant role as, as it goes on. I'm going to say it's never explained, but there's possibly an explanation for it, but it's a dumb explanation. <laughs> I just took uh. that it was the universe, you know, trying to trying to warn him or God trying to warn him as seen by some other imagery and some other explanations that kind of unfold or are displayed throughout the Well, film. yeah, the religious themes are happening throughout this. On the train, he also sees this woman and she notices him staring at her and then notices that he's actually staring at her bag where some tomato juice, I think it is, has exploded and is like dripping down the wall sort of to emulate blood. And this woman also begins showing up in his life just glimpses of her on a frequent basis whenever danger is looming and he comes to eventually see her as like mother mary so like i guess like his that's guardian angel woman. yeah that's when she first appears on the train oh okay this is a revelation to me okay we will well, there see go. the revelation uh, of jesus more of this woman later on when uh Repe arrives at this literary society there's all fans about he gives a talk at the society and he takes an interest in a woman named Christine who is filming him at the time. They flirt a little. She tells him that um, they booked him into this Hotel Bellevue because of his horrific daydream. He doesn't want to stay there. Um, and so he decides to go back to Christine's place. Uh, they get back to her place, um, which has a neon sign at the front because she runs a salon. Get to her place, have a couple of drinks, lots of overly dramatic dialogue in front of the moon then they kiss and then finally the proposition is made to to go upstairs and and fuck basically and what i love about this is it then cuts to them showering and having a bath like, <laughs> well it's well they, it's like brothel style like they both shower bef like right before she gets herself nice and clean but it's not a sexual <laughs> shower or bath i respect that this is in the film right he has been on a train and then has had to give a talk. He is sweaty and gross. This is the this is the me in my thirties speaking. I'm like, yeah, have a shower. 
Have a shower before you get dirty. 95% of my encounters definitely begin and end and I'm in a similar state to him prior to the shower. So, you know, maybe I just haven't reached that level of sophistication yet. I, I liked it. They both have this really sophisticated, like, we're naked. We've seen naked people before. We're in our 30s. It's fine. The best part is after this is done and he goes to wait for her in bed, she comes up in like a sexy robe, takes it off. And then he comments how much he likes her body because she's so slim and delicate like a boy. Yeah, I think on the uh, on the bisexual spectrum, our main character, Reve, is uh, more towards the male side, is what I So on the Kinsey scale, he's definitely going like a four point something at least. <laughs> they have horrible sex. Um, it doesn't look like either of them are very into it. And the only other thing that I have in my notes is that Reve, when he comes, says, through Mary to Jesus. <laughs> well, you know, it's he's, he's convulsing. It was clear. It didn't look good, but clearly it felt good for him. Well, yes, it was it was a spiritual experience. That night, Reve has a dream of the woman that he saw in blue. And this is the Virgin Mary slash lady from the train. It initially looks like the woman is pulling out a gun from a bunch of roses that she has, but it turns out that it's a key. When she takes that key out in the dream, she puts it in a door and opens the door. Behind the door are three carcasses dripping blood into three vases and then an empty vase next to them. Imagery, symbolism. (laughs) And then Reve wakes up or seemingly wakes up and has a vision of Christine taking out scissors and cutting off his dick. And then he wakes up again. It's a dream within a dream. (laughs) I kind of like it, but it's ridiculous. (laughs) Well, look, it's the power of premonition, you know, it's, it's a very layered process. In the morning, Christine confesses to our main character that she is a widow having lost her husband, Johan, recently in an accident in which he drowned. Uh, Our main character is getting paid by Christine, um, and whilst she's briefly distracted, he goes through her shit because he's just that kind of guy. He's a curious writer, okay? Do you want to know something weird? Yes. Well, as, as a fellow curious writer, I used to have this habit, which I really tried hard to break, and when I came to your apartment for the first time, I, I resisted and I was really proud of myself. Um, I love the first time I go to someone's house and use their bathroom to go through like the full contents of like their cupboards and stuff. horrible things in my cupboard. I vividly remember being in your bathroom and being like, fight the urge, Sam. This is not an appropriate habit that you have. And I fought it. You're one of the first times where I I cold turkeyed myself. Okay, you're never invited back in my apartment. (laughs) Well, I haven't. I've never done it, and all the times I've come over, I respect your privacy. Creepy. I'm learning. I'm growing. Uh, Our main character Reve starts going through Christine's things, and there he finds a photo of one of Christine's lovers named Herman, who is it's a photo of him in speedos. And I love that he gets the photo and he puts it against his face. Like, he's such a sleazy dude. Well, coincidentally, Herman's actually the boy that he was cruising at the beginning of the film. So this is like his dream come true, you know. The one that got away, full circle, coming back. He's going to get his chance. And it's because he's so enamored with Herman that he agrees with Christine's pleadings for him to stay. 
later on we realize that that may have been a trap set up by Christine um, but at this point it seems like uh, Reve is just just pursuing his own way yes well he pretends he's been telling Christine about his psychic abilities and he pretends to be having a vision of another man in her life and you know he's obviously just describing the photo that he's looked at and using this information he agrees to sort of help Christine reconcile with him. Yeah, because uh, Christine confesses to uh, Reve that, that Herman's a bit of a jackrabbit in the sack, I guess is the way of saying it, where he's just quickly and then comes. And, uh, and my character, being such a kind man, wants to help her out with that situation. <laughs> I should say that um, there's various scenes in between this where um, our main character starts having bizarre visions so there's this weird situation where he's walking in the street and a bird dies in front of him he then sees a man that is drowned and then goes into a cathedral whilst he's in the cathedral um (laughs) sam knows what we're talking about (laughs) whilst he's in the cathedral uh, the crucifix of jesus transforms into herman in his speedos um and (laughs) he starts filling him up um there's it's actually a really hot scene <laughs> it was a bit sexy but like it's but it's so it's you know, you know it's ball to the wall bizarre that you can't take it seriously but you know i was kind of feeling a bit of a tingle he also has visions of herman coming out of the ocean missing an eyeball as well as this mysterious woman in blue who he begins to believe is the virgin mary yes and who is actually the woman that he's been seeing several times now beginning with the train Whilst he's writing a, a novel um, ostensibly about Christine and her life in order to... This is the pretense for him sticking around. But it's really just because he wants to meet and know more about Herman. So he's kind of using Christine. Rebe, our character, has a flashback um, to when he saw the funeral banner being unveiled. Wait, did we talk about that? No, we actually haven't talked about it. The foreshadowing that something is awry kind of starts immediately when he arrives in this... When What's his name? When Reve arrives in this town and he's waiting for his driver to pick him up and there's a casket that has his name on it. It's not meant for him, but, you know, it's got his name on it. At first he says, is this for me? Well, it, it seems like it's got his name on it, um, but then the funeral director opens it up and it actually see, says Guido Herman. Whilst writing this book, um, Rebe realizes that the funeral banner says the name of Christine's lover, which is a bizarre coincidence. Yes, one of many. Whilst Christine goes to visit Herman, uh, Gerard is left alone in the house and he has a, a vision of the key that the blue woman mother mary gave to him in the in the dream or indicated to him in the dream he realizes that he has a copy of that key on him and he uses it to open up and discover a whole bunch of home movies by christine this scene is incredibly ridiculous because reve is like fucking drunk off his ass at this point hello but he starts playing home movies and then gradually starts to realize that Christine has not just been married once before, but three times before. So there's images 
of footage of Christine uh, seeing off her husband whilst he's about to go skydiving, another husband whilst he's about to feed some meat to some lions, and then finally the latest husband before he goes off on a boat into the ocean. And uh, Reve is baffled by this because he keeps calling Christine a liar. That night, Christine arrives with Herman. Uh, Herman and Christine end up having sex and Reve masturbates whilst spying through the keyhole. <laughs> it's so creepy. <laughs> well, look, it's very, it's very in line with everything else he's been doing. So, you know, we know he's a creepy, voyeuristic, sexual pervert. Christine has to do further business the following morning, leaving Reve and Herman together. Reve tries to put on the moves with Herman and it gets quite interrupted. They decide to tour the city. Reve gets Herman to stop the car because he suddenly sees the, the woman in blue. He chases the woman in blue, sees her. She turns around a corner. They end up in a graveyard. Herman ends up catching up with him. And then all of a sudden it starts pissing down with rain. They take refuge in a kind of mausoleum or crypt that they find open and it's at this point that we have the worst kiss in cinema history <laughs> oh my god it's the most for two quite attractive men they really um they really made this not drool worthy looks like two people trying to i don't even know what an appropriate analogy is but the tongue and the kiss is strong it's too strong. It's too strong. Um, the both the actors the are heterosexual men, unbridling. so they were overdoing it. Um, uh, I've got a clip of that on the Sinister Sissies uh, Twitter. If people want to have a look, because I just I watched it and I was baffled by how horrible this kiss was. I just took it as being very primal as well, though, because. He basically does the opposite of negging. <laughs> he he reverse negs Herman until Herman's like, all right, I guess I'll give it a try, the guy. The tongue c- comes slightly out of his mouth, though. <laughs> anyway, well, it's, it's the most unrealistic thing in the world because Herman, Herman is essentially a straight man, starts making out with him, and then straight goes down to give Repe a blowjob. I was like, I don't think the straight man would, do- would have done that. Um, okay. Anyway. All the porn I watch, that's what happens. That's all I can go off. <laughs> Whilst whilst Herman's going downtown, uh, Reve realizes that they're in the crypt of all of Christine's dead former husbands. What a coincidence! And then he gets a vision of what happened to each of them. So there was the skydiver, the parachute didn't open, the guy was attacked by lions, and then the other guy who went out on the boat, another fucking boat ran into them and like knocked him off. I've got to commend the bravery of the actor who played the second husband because that was clearly a real lion in the scene where he was getting like eaten by mauled by the lion. And I, I I don't know if I would have been game considering it was just a small bit part. And he probably got paid jack shit for that. Uh, after he has this vision, um, Rebe pushes Herman off and says to him his belief that Christine is responsible for the three deaths, which let's talk about that. Because skydiving, I get that she tampered with the parachute. The boating one, are we meant to believe that she was driving the other boat? No, because it was clearly a man driving but the other boat. This is where I get completely tripped up. The lion, she had no say on that. And so there is a point later on where we start referring to her as a witch. 
But like, isn't there a scenario where Christine is just like cursed with bad luck? And she's an innocent party. Why does why does Rebe automatically jump to her being responsible? Well, you know, I think all of his visions and the coincidences are just a little bit too much. To it's you know his visions are trying to obviously showcase the fact that her three former husbands have all died mysteriously. Look, if I was going a uh, pretentious film school one hundred and one, I would probably say that Christine is like the manifestation of de- like sexual deviance and being guided by lust and how that can how that can be deadly for our soul or something like that, you know? Probably a feminist critique of this film. Stray from, you know, from God and this is what will happen. The book was written by a gay man. Wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) Herman doesn't believe this, but he agrees to drive Rebe to the train station. Whilst Herman is driving, they spot the hearse with uh, Herman's uh, name on the funeral casket. Um, and Herman ends up losing control of the car and getting fucking impaled by some iron rods. It looks a bit like you can see the dummy head. <laughs> Look, the SFX, not great, but this was another precursor for that Final Destination 2 sequence that's mm. quite iconic with all the logs going through the car. Good for them for going for the gore. I was pretty happy with it. Uh, so Herman's killed. Um, uh, Rebe is taken to the hospital where he meets a, a doctor who was also part of the literary society. He tries to convince him that Christine is a witch, which has led people to their deaths. At one point, Christine comes into the room and he starts making all these ac- accusations against her. Um, but Rebe is ultimately saved when uh, a nurse sedates him and it's the blue woman. It's Mother Mary the woman in the by his dress. bedside. Christine is then taken out to the waiting room where she meets a new man or possibly a new victim. Dun dun. And they leave together. I think he has, he's talking about that he really likes windsurfing. And she's like, oh, <laughs> that's convenient. <laughs> um, and our final shot is of the nurse, a.k.a. Mother Mary, maybe, uh, tending to the wounds of of Reve, um, and it zooms into the cross. film in terms of how it ends and i don't know how to deal with the mother mary exists and is protecting bisexual men from temptress women well yeah it's it's odd because yeah you would think that you know with that recurring theme of catholic guilt it's odd that yeah she's actually protecting him from a woman where you know whereas you know the, the men in his life he does fantasize about killing one of them but you know, the his sexual encounters with men don't really lead to the same darkness that him and Christine's sexual relationship does. Interesting film, heavy with symbolism. I like how you didn't even try to counter <laughs> me then. You're just like, nah, this film's just it's just it's just weird. We're not gonna analyze. But you know, honestly, sometimes I think these kind of films there actually isn't any greater meaning and some sometimes people just like to play with ideas and symbolism and imagery and it doesn't have to be this huge 
thing. Paul Verhoeven actually said after the initial release of this film that he deliberately overdid the symbolism and Bible references because he viewed Dutch critics as being overly snobbish and they would therefore like the film. Uh, and he was right. He was right. Thank you for listening to the Sinister Sissies podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Sinister Sissies. You can follow me on Twitter at Jared Bartle. That's Jared with a Y. You can follow us on Instagram at Sinister underscore Sissies. We also have a Facebook page. And uh, if you do feel like it, we would really be grateful if you could support us on Patreon. It helps keep the show going and ensures that there's a good financial incentive to keep making this morbid nonsense. Until next time, stay sinister.